Welcome to Redesigning. Today we're joined by Lauren Zoe. Lauren, do you want to give a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Lauren and I'm a senior software engineer at Google. I've been there for eight years and currently I work on local search. So that's basically if you search for a query such as restaurants near me in Google search, my team manages the modules on that page. I think you also left out something really important, and it's that you're a satisfactory expert. I am a satisfactory expert. I am an expert at creating conveyor belts and making sure that everything is on the grid. Yeah, Lauren runs a tight ship in satisfactory. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. All right. So as a software developer at Google, how would you say design influences your work? Um, It's a very big part of my job. So I work with a team um, where it's kind of like a quadrifecta. So there's the tech lead, which is me. I also have a product manager on my team, a UXer and a PGM. And the four of us are kind of like the bones of the team. And a big part of what we do And a big part of what we spend a lot of our time on is making sure that the UX of Google search is good for everyone because Google search is used by like billions of people. So any small change we make is going to make a huge impact. And it's my job to make sure that whatever UX comes up with is easy to implement and it's easy to implement across all different surfaces. So Uh, It has to work on desktop, it has to work on mobile, it has to work in different browsers, so it has to work in IE5, I think we still support, Firefox, Chrome. So it's a very big part of what I do and a very big part of what my team does because we work on the front end of search. It sounds like it's a very tight-knit group. There's a lot of very closely interconnected collaboration happening but it also sounds like there's a bit of division as to who's in who's delegated to what and who's responsible for something else would you say that the responsibility of the designer ends at understanding the situation and then creating designs around that and then as developers it's your responsibility to understand how that design is going to necessarily translate into something that's implementable and scalable um, you know, it's not as clear of a divide as one might think. So a large part of why we work together so well as a group is that we share our responsibilities. So for example, we're currently working on a strategy plan, the four of us together, and I'm like making mocks, the PM's making mocks, our UXer is like writing strategy. So a lot of what we do is actually like each other's jobs but each individual person is the expert in that field. So we all pitch in to work on the UX. We all pitch in when it comes to the edge work. Maybe the PM's not coding, but uh, he's kind of informing what we should do. But we're all kind of working on different things, but we still maintain that each person is that expert in the field. Does that sort of answer your question? Yeah, yeah. What would you say has been super instrumental towards successful collaboration aside from um, what you just said about everybody being an expert in their own individual domain? Yeah, I think what is really 
good about how we work is that we're really good friends outside of work too. So we maintain like a really good bond inside work and outside of work. And it shows through to everyone that we work really well together. Like we're friends, we're joking together in meetings and we kind of understand how everyone works on the team. So we all have very like strong personalities, but uh, we know what like kind of quirks each person has and what everyone's like strengths and weaknesses are. So we can accommodate that. And sometimes we can joke about like maybe RPM could be better at something. <laughs> we kind of accommodate it. But we try to keep it really lighthearted and fun on the team so everyone feels engaged. And I think the most important thing is just making sure that working is fun and it's not kind of just like work, you know? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I think a lot of the conversation around working together tends to center around hard skills, soft skills, when the actual human component is just as important, making sure that you guys are actually getting along as a team, as individuals, and striving to create something together. Yeah, I think that's actually the most important part of working as a team is your soft skills and how you work together and how you accommodate for each other's personalities. And you actually care about the people you work with because you're at work for more time in your day than you really are at home. And you're seeing these people more than your friends uh, because you see them every single day. You're spending hours with them in meetings. Um, and they're kind of like your family that you need to be nice to and you need to count on to support you. So I, I really think having a good team culture is really important to a team success. Yeah, I think that also speaks to a higher value, which is trust, right? Trusting yeah. that your team members can make sure that they know what they're doing, that they're going to get what they say they're going to do done on time. But yeah, no, actually like trust in what they're going to deliver. So if you like, I feel like I work better if I really respect the person I'm doing the work for and I'm going to work harder to create a better product if I really like my teammates and I want to make sure that the product does well for them. Um, so it kind of motivates everyone to do their best because we all care about succeeding together. Right. And I think it's very obvious when trust isn't there and everybody suffers from it. Um, it can lead to micromanaging where you feel that you can't do your work without having somebody peer over your shoulder, ensuring that all your decisions are uh, ran past them. Yeah, you don't really want to have an environment where people feel like they need to one up each other. Like that creates a bad environment where you're always trying to like be on top of the other person, like get work done faster than them. And you don't have this sense of like, we're in this together. It's kind of like you're in it for yourself and not for the team. And that's not a great environment to work in. And it's not motivating. Like, it might make a sprint go way faster if like there's one really motivated person, but eventually everyone burns out. So there's like a good balance of like, um, you want to keep people motivated so they do work, but you don't want to have people who feel so motivated that they want to like sabotage other people to do work. Right. And not only does the team take the fall, the organization as a whole takes the fall because 
all that tension and that mistrust can lead way to maybe missing out on opportunities that as a team, you could have came together to find and discover and lean into and uh, contribute to value for the company. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have a team that's not working well together, they're going to get work done way slower. They're not going to kind of deliver high quality products because they're all stressed and they're not going to be there in the long term. And what you really want is to have a team that's there for years and years and not a really superstar team that's only there for like one year and then burns out. Yeah, I mean, guys, there's a reason why Lauren's been at Google for eight years. She's a team (laughs) player, y'all. I'm a real team player, as long as everyone does everything according to what I say. (laughs) I can attest to that in Satisfactory. (laughs) I do want to focus on Google. In specific, the fact that Google's products operate on such a large scale and reach. You said that you're working on search that obviously has billions and billions of users who use it every single day, all times of the day. Are there any unique challenges that come with implementing the designs that designers create? Yeah, there's a lot of trade-offs. So as much as I'd love to have our designs be super reactive and like super cool and animated, we can't do things like that because we have to account for people with slow internet speeds. Latency is a huge part of how we design all of our I call them modules are really just the individual search results you get. But latency plays a huge role in that because you can't build modules where you need a lot of data that is slow to get. So one thing that people don't expect would be really slow to get are is reviews. Um, so if you want to show reviews when you search for restaurants near me, it's actually very expensive because the way that we search for reviews is that there's like this really slow algorithm that parses through all the reviews and that's not good enough for our latency bar. Or if we want to show certain images, like any image we add onto the search result page adds latency. So As much as I'd want to create a really beautiful visual forward search result page, I can't do that without trade-offs because people with slow internet connections can't show that many images because otherwise they just see a white screen while like 10 images load. Um, So we do have engineering optimizations for that, but we just have to be really conscious about every single thing we add onto search result page, it's going to add latency. And we have to kind of design around that. So like one trade-off we made recently was that we wanted to show this one module where we show like a photo and like a review and a map. And it was going to be really cool and pretty, but the reviews took so much time to like fetch that we had to just drop the review entirely. So we made that design trade-off where instead of a review, we just showed like another photo that was like already showing on the search result page. So it was already cached. Um, So that didn't require any latency at all. So those are, that's like some of the trade-offs we make. Some other trade-offs we make include making sure that search is globalized. Uh, One of my PM friends, she said her worst product that she's launched was making the open and closed out, like the open and closed tags red and green because red and green don't mean the same thing outside of the U.S., 
um, right. in other, other countries. Like sometimes it can be like orange and blue would be the equivalent of red and green. And in some countries like China, red is a good thing. And whereas here it's a bad thing. And so there's a lot of kind of internationalization uh, design trade-offs that we have to make there. And also like speaking of internationalization, just making sure that text fits in the little boxes that we put them in. Because what I primarily work on is the mobile web, and that's not a lot of real estate to put anything in. And if I want to put maybe a really long description of a place somewhere, I have to make sure it accommodates like German, which is super long, but it still looks good when you put in something like Chinese, which is super short. Uh, so just like making different variations of a design or making a flexible container there uh, is really important. Yeah, I think those are all really great examples. It, I think it all reveals that in order to be designers who can deliver value-added work for our team and our organization, not only do we have to understand design and all the implications that come with that, but we also have to understand, at least to some working knowledge level, the technical side of it. All the things that you mentioned just now were were very real design problems, but they also involve a technical aspect that a designer having that kind of understanding could really facilitate and speed up the process in which collaboration happens and values created for the organization. Yeah. And a really good designer thinks of that when they're designing, but like if they don't have that foresight because maybe they don't have as much experience yet, it's totally fine to lean on your engineering team and ask them early on in the process, like, is this going to work? Um, I've seen junior designers show like really elaborate mocks and be like, here, I got this approved, build it. And then the engineering team comes back and goes, um, we can't build that at all. Like that's not going to work because we don't support like maybe some funky corner radius thing um, that the designer has built or like it's not extensible to all sorts of content types. Um, so it's really important that the designer is working with at least the tech lead of the team uh, in making sure that their design is actually feasible before they get approval on the design. Right. I think that ties up everything that we were talking about. Going back to teamwork, you know, your team, despite having different functions and responsibilities, at the end of the day, everybody is there to learn from each other. And by learning from each other, you can create better products and find ways to think of solutions to problems that may have previously left you stuck or maybe would have sent you back to the drawing board, like that example you gave of the invalidated work that wasn't actually implementable by the team. Yeah. I think that was a really nice full circle situation that we arrived at. Thanks, Lauren, for coming onto the show. I, I think you've definitely brought in really interesting perspective, especially as somebody who works at a place that services so many different kinds of users at such a large scale. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And this is Redesigning. <laughs>